Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Uh, hello. <laughs> Wheeler, glad you could join us. Hold for, on, for I can't this, hear this you. Part. It's probably best. Now yeah, I can hear you. you. Glad you could join us for this part of the podcast, man. I am 60 seconds late. Tracy. <sighs> It's been, an, it's been an age. Oh, hi. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Uh, so here we go again. Uh, thanks for being with us for another week. Jason and Jason here. And uh, I see you fiddling with something there, Jason. What are you opening up? I have the uh, Martin House Pills. It's a Pilsner from Martin House Brewing Company. In the <laughs> I figured that. In the People's Republic of Fort Worth. Okay. Yes. I like that. Okay. Nice and local there. I'm having a, uh, a Shiner today, but it is a uh, seasonal one. It's called the Sea Salt and Lime Shiner. Wow, what does it taste like, man? I'm a, I'm a Shiner I fan. I don't know. I have, I... It tastes like um, beer with a hint of lime and some sea that's salt. strange. They should name it something like that, too. That's weird. That's, that's, <laughs> that's bizarre to me. And you know what? I, I... I think you would like this, though, because usually you do those out-of-state beers uh, and you squeeze lime into it, don't you? Uh I, I, maybe I do. I don't know. I, Tecate, oh, well, the ta, uh, Dos Equis, and then you squeeze a lime into it. Tahine or tagine, however you pronounce mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, I noticed today, I saw a headline um, for our our, uh, our three listeners who might be interested in this beer. Um, they're apparently a Wisconsin brewery. Now, we're not endorsing this by any means, but I, I wanted to, to bring it up. And Wisconsin brewery has created a new beer. It's called Biden Beer, Joe Biden Beer. <laughs> Uh, Manaqua Brewing Company, and hmm. what, it's apparently it's a Kolsch that is quote inoffensive and not too bitter. <laughs> so again, they're capitalizing on the uh, where, where we are right now, the, the the moment. But if there are any, I'm sure that would make uh, uh, President Elect Biden very happy, though. Not only did he manage to uh, you know pull in the battleground state of Wisconsin there, but now they're they're making beer with his name on it. So uh, a, a full fledged relationship there. Uh, you know, here we are. How long has now, it been since the election? I, I was, oh, since the election, what? Uh... 20 it feels days, like a long, long time uh, because, you know, we have this, you know, continued reluctance uh, for, you know, uh, President Trump to accept, you know, the results that have happened here. And and so things are sort of frozen in time. The transition uh, gets uh, slowed down a little bit because of, of, of all of that. And, you know, these cases are working through the court system and allegations of voter fraud and this and that and the other. So uh, it just seems like it's been a long time. But, uh, you know, here we are. It's been several weeks. And, you know, we're sort of checking in uh, with a constituency today uh, that very much uh, put uh, the Biden-Harris ticket over the top. And we're talking about the black vote, specifically black women who turned out in extraordinary numbers and percentages uh, to help the Democratic ticket take this. Yeah. And, and the, that's what we're going to focus on in this podcast is, is the, uh, the black vote and, and what the black vote um, 
expects and wants from from uh, Biden and and Harris. And as we were, I was doing research on this uh, to interview our guest. Um, I reached out to Bernadine Steptoe, the political producer at WFAA, and said, hey, Bernadine, I'm going to ask Tracy Scott from Black Women's Pack. I, I want to talk to her about, um, you know, some of these things. And Bernadine says, well, you need to ask her about this and you need to ask her about that. And will will they deliver? How can they deliver? What if they don't deliver? I said, well, hell, let's just have you on, Bernadine, so we can uh, prime this whole podcast. So Bernadine is on the line with us. Bernadine, what are you drinking today? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> we should be drinking coffee. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pass on the beer. Actually, I'm more of a wine drinker. But, oh, but fancy. Since, yes, but since you all do drink. I kind of had you pegged like that too, Bernadine. Yes, I sort of stay away from the beer. But uh, those of you who do drink the beer, hey, hats off. <laughs> so wine and coffee for uh, for, for Bernadine. Probably not at the same time, um, though, Jason. Not the, I mean, no, not at the same no. time. And just coffee today. Bernadine, I like the uh, the concept of this because, you know, we've been talking about the election, the election, the election, who put, you know, Biden over the top, et cetera, et cetera. But now, you know, we're looking out. We're looking out, you know, 100 days from now, a year from now, four years from now as to what – the black community expects for this vote um, because you know we've heard it over and over again that man we just keep coming to the table we keep helping we keep showing up we keep going to the polls we keep putting you over the top and then you get into office and we're forgotten again not not only are we forgotten but it appears as if and i and this is even more so i hope it doesn't sound more like a um, a, a well-worn tire <laughs> But we're taken for granted, which is definitely uh, the truth, because out of every Democratic presidential win that we get, it appears as if we're not moving forward. But we're consistently and uh, always voting for that Democratic uh, nominee. And keep in mind now, not only were black men, black women responsible for the 2020 win, we were also responsible for getting Biden the Democratic nominee. So, uh, and and as of now, he recognizes that because he did say when he accepted the, um, his win that that he did owe blacks. And, and, but he did not uh, specifically say black women, but same old, same old. Yeah, he said that uh, you've always had my back and now I'll have yours. I'll so have your back. But here, what, here, what do you take that to? Go ahead, Fernandine. Well, here's my, my, my um, I don't want to say concern, but I go a little bit farther because I'm, I'm saying, okay, how do you have our back? You know, what are we saying that we want to, to see as uh, some wins for us? And I think that it goes back to what, what's our agenda? And is our agenda the same as the black man's agenda? Uh, because we did come out in large number numbers as women. And you know what, I, I think that in, in our research, in my research and coming up to today, there's no clear agenda. So how can you measure results if you don't have a clear agenda? Because I know that I've, I, I've seen many um, groups and organizations who talk about reparations. Well, that's that's divisive as well. And, and I don't even think that that those who oppose or agree with the issue of reparation reparations are clear or or agree to what they think that is. And then you have the criminal justice system, which is very, very much uh, at, at the forefront 
And then what does that look like? But but don't I mean I think there have been. Well, you tell me. I mean, I, okay. we've seen headlines, and we I, hasn't there been progress with criminal justice reform, and that has been bipartisan. But it's still at the forefront. It's still. I mean, there's still bail, bail reform and things like that. There's still a lot of things to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but there seems to be some movement there, doesn't there? There's a movement, but at the end of the day, what will we look at and say that there has been progress? Because apparently, there's still some movement needed there because that's still at the forefront of our agenda. Well, let's talk about this, though, with, uh, you know, with respect to criminal justice reform. That's something where Republicans can say, we're the ones. We we pushed this through this time. President Trump, in fact, did uh, tout that over and over during the campaign. Bernadine, do you think that it helps Democrats to remember this constituency and to work harder for this constituency now that there is active competition being talked about where you've got the other party going, no, 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 we're the party that's helping the black community. Do you think that that lights a fire under Democrats to go, OK, we better start really pushing a little harder here because we've got you know people actively making a play uh, for the black community's loyalty and their votes? It should. But, Jason, keep in mind. If we're still talking about, and, and I want to say we're still talking about criminal justice system now, although we are, because get, let's get back to Black Lives Matter. When we when that 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 movement was such that it was used against Democrats in the 2020 by saying that it was primarily about defunding the police. So mm-hmm. it should light a fire, but as long as we keep voting for the Democratic ticket and coming out of elections saying, okay, what uh, what do we expect? Or uh, even when Biden is saying, okay, I have your back. Well, he should have had our back. He should have had our backs before the 2020. So, but uh, but I, I want to say then you, you must be able to measure success. Well, cr- criminal justice is, of course, just, just one issue that you brought up. I and mean, there, there's other things like, like the wage gap. There's other things like home ownership. Um, there, there, there's a you know a, a million different discrepancies here that, that that can be addressed. What realistically though do you think can and will be done? We've already had the first black president, so you know arguably things haven't changed, or you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I think that also well, we're not seeing uh, a, a great number of our men going to jail. Now, I, and I'll, I'll say one thing that is progress in terms of you're not seeing more jails built. Matter of fact, you're seeing some of them closed, but that isn't necessarily because you're trying to uh, improve or, or correct some injustices of, of black people. But that is, it's an economic situation where uh, it costs more to run jails than to not. Mm. So um, you're still seeing us going disproportionately being uh, uh, sent to jails for, for minor uh, uh, situations. And then keep in mind, you're still seeing black men killed by police officers. And then we want to sort of confuse the issue by saying, OK, you have black on black crime. Well, we don't pay each other to protect us. We pay the police to protect us. So as long as we're still seeing our black men and women in some instances killed by the mere people who we pay to protect us, how's their progress? And then and then in this during the 2020 election, it became a negative by by um, the messaging of in order to um, stop the killing of blacks. Then we want to say that they we want to defund the police. 
And that's another mm-hmm. problem that we have as a, 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 a cohesive group is that our messaging, mm-hmm. we never ever took control of the messaging. So therefore, therefore it ended up being defunding the police when that's not what that meant. So we have a number mm-hmm. of issues and back to uh, the success. You know, number one, recognizing that black lives do matter and not necessarily saying, okay, that's they want to defund the police. Or in order to recognize and, and understand that black lives matter, we want to say, well, the police officers matter. That's not the issue. The issue is stop killing our black men and women police officers who we pay to protect us. Instead of protecting us, we're afraid of them. I want to ask this. So, you know, you talk about the messaging here. How crucial is it right now as you have a change of administrations about to happen uh, and you have an incoming president who says, I will have your back because you had mine? How crucial is it now for someone, some people perhaps in the black community to come together and almost draw up a, a list that says, here are the things that we want done in the next four years to address what's going on in our community instead of waiting to see what does the administration do for us how critical do you think it is for for someone to get out there and say here's what we want done this time we're not just going to wait to see what you do oh jason that's very crucial but i think that question is like a 15 million dollar trillion dollar question because mm. on a national level, because as long as you have more than one, two different organizations coming to the administration, then not mm-hmm. only is it confusing, and then it even, okay, how do you come to a, a, a and that, that's where you come to that agenda. And not, mm-hmm. now we're not monolithic, keep in mind, but if we don't come right. up with, with one, two things that we're expecting from the administration, then number one, you're not going to end up in it with anything because you're going you're going to have confusion, confrontations. But it is crucial. And let me tell you what we are lacking. And 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 the listeners can correct me here, because even when we were going through the um, through the elections, it was I, I asked many people, okay, do we have a national figure or do we have a national organization? You have NAACP, but see, that's that's questionable as well by some. Do we have anyone or any organization who can fulfill that role that you just mentioned? We don't have a Martin Luther King. Or even, even in terms, even if our uh, former president, um, Barack Obama, would, would come forth, which it doesn't appear as if he wants that role as well. But it's crucial that we come together, establish establish an agenda, establish some items to take to the administration, and then and then it, it not only gives a it not only comes up with one or two uh, issues, but you're able to track success. You're mm-hmm. able to say, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is what we want. This is what. Uh, we expect that this is what happens so that when you come up for another presidential election, we're not up out there saying, okay, why are we still supporting uh, uh, a political party that's not fulfilling our needs? It, Bernadine, we've right. talked about several topics. What, what would you say are maybe top three topics um, or top three issues out there? You know why I think uh, the, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement is so important? You have young people. 
you have young people who are becoming engaged in the political process. Mm. Okay, if they're out there protesting, and they went to vote. Okay, if they're, mm-hmm. they're, if they're protesting, they're voting, they're, uh, okay, so and then they're steadily uh, not having success, and that's why I say you've gotta come up with something that you can measure. And, mm. and at this point, uh, Black Lives Matter movement is at the forefront of our young people. But if, if they don't see success, why they're, they're going to go back to why should I vote? Why should I get into the political process? But are, are, there, are there three things out there, though, that, that you think that that could be addressed? Jobs, with, housing. But, well, uh-huh. with, or, with, with or without uh, congressional support. I mean, is there anything he can, the vice president or the president-elect uh, Biden can do uh, with executive action? I think that the messaging on the Black Lives Matter, which which he is doing, as he did as a candidate somewhat, but uh, they, they have laid out. They have laid out what they want. And they want to see some policies established where it, it you're not just, just allowing, if this is their perception, allowing police officers to shoot black people. Now that's the very first thing that he can do, especially in terms of messaging and not make it appear as if it's a negative that we're out there protesting for our friends and our brothers and our fathers. That's number one on, on, on the front front and, and of, that I think for black people. Okay, then also you still have to look at, I think that minimum wage. I think the minimum wage is crucial because you cannot, number one, they're taking away the um, grants and, and opportunities to go to college, but at least let the young people earn the money to go. And then the families, how can you continue to, um, to take care of families and you're getting minimum wage? And that minimum wage isn't necessarily restricted to blacks but it sure would help. The increased minimum wage, job opportunities, um, th- th- those, and then housing. And, and then housing is important because in your, in your inner cities, your urban areas, where you have a large concentration of blacks, affordable housing is, is not available. So there's yes. so many. Go ahead, Jason. No, I, I think I think you know just those three things: bully pulpit, minimum wage, and, and housing. I, I, you know, maybe again, our, our three listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that uh, Biden can probably do some of that stuff or all that stuff without congressional support, just through executive action alone. I'm not a constitutional scholar; I don't know for sure, but uh, but I would I would think that he could probably address some of those things. So the question is whether he does. So. Bernadine, this is why I wanted to have you on. Well, well, well let you, me let me you can help guide this. Oh, please go ahead. What you go just ahead. said on whether he does. That's why we need an, we we need our own agenda to ensure that he does. See, if we go to if if, if blacks and, and I want to I want to reiterate again that we're not monolithic, but in order for us to succeed, we must be on the same page in terms of our expectations. Okay, we're going to Biden. Okay, this is a, this is what we expect from your administration, and he does not deliver, or we don't we don't stay on top of it to ensure that he is delivering. He doesn't have to. Then we're mm. back to the so, same situation. Okay, what are the Democrats doing for us? We're we're mm. we're dependable uh, a voting block, and then, and then I just get to a point that um, why should they have to? We're not holding them accountable. 
So do you think that that happens? So do you think that we'll see, uh, you know, Biden uh, meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus, the NAACP, the Urban League, Black Lives Matter, Black Votes Matter, uh, any of these organizations or all of these organizations to sort of develop this compact? Do you really do you, you know, with all that's going on right now, uh, you know, and, and, and we're dealing with this, you know, these issues, these stop start issues with the transition, we're dealing with the pandemic right now. Do you think that we will see a concerted effort put toward this. Yes, I do. And you know why Jason Wheeler, the other Jason, because... The other Jason, that's what I'm commonly known as. <laughs> because this is not his first time around this. And mm. I think that he, uh, he he understands that you must bring in the right people. That, and then, you know, you have uh, Vice President-elect Harris, who I think mm-hmm. that uh, she understands that process as well. She's been Attorney General. I have more mm-hmm. hope with the Biden administration and not because it is a Democratic administration, but because mm-hmm. he's he's done this before. He understands it. And he understands that there's going to be midterms elections. He understands that in order for him to be a, a to win re-election, he, he gets it. He's not a new mm-hmm. politician. I will say that one thing that seems different, at least to my ears this time around, uh, and and maybe it's because I haven't paid attention uh, in past years, so correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the the president-elect has cited black women, the black community, more than what we have heard in the past as far as, I know who put me over the top here. I know who has been fighting for us. I know who has showed up here, and I know who's back I need to have when this is said and done. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, with the vice presidential pick as well, you, you do see a consistency there, and you're hearing a consistency there that this is important, uh, and it seems like you're hearing that more than you had with previous administrations to be. Well, and he kept his word. When he won the nomination, he said that I will, uh, I will have a a, running, a black woman running mate. And he yeah, did. and a lot of people criticized him for that at the time. They said that he was unnecessarily boxing himself Many in. Many people did it. But he didn't. Even uh, Vice President-elect Harris said, I mean, that took a lot of guts to do that. So that's why I say at this point it's encouraging, and I think that we're going to see more out of this administration because we do have someone who has not only committed to having our backs, but also he has done it. He has a track record of doing it. And, and that's going to be very important to us, but we'll see. And then also who he brings into his administration. Let's watch that as well. Yeah, we've got the uh, representative, the U.S. representative from Ohio, Marsha Fudge, who is making a play for Ag Secretary. And I thought this was interesting in Politico. She says, uh, as this country becomes more and more diverse, we're going to have to stop looking at only certain agencies as those that people like me fit in. You know, it's always we want to put the black person in labor or HUD. Uh, She makes a valid point there. And so we could see well before uh, Joe Biden ever takes the oath of office here, we could start to see what that commitment looks like as he fills out his cabinet choices going into his administration to see if we start to see some some choices that don't look like what we've seen in, in, in previous administrations. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the people who he surrounds himself with will be important. 
those who because they're at the table. Yeah, those who will have his ear. But I, I'm just going to say that I've been in politics a long time, and this is even with with the election of uh, former President Barack Obama. With this election, I'm more optimistic. Hmm. I'm more optimistic hmm. because I see that uh, not only has he done some of the things he served in 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 um, President Obama's administration. So he mm-hmm. can do some of the things that that um, the president was not able to do. But I'm very. So you're more optimistic now, even than you were when Obama was elected? Absolutely. Because, OK, with 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 uh, President Barack Obama, who um, was our very first black president, he's only he only uh, occupied one level of government. And it was very difficult for me to see the uh the the those who were in power allowing him to be able to do as much you know the first always has it the the hardest and so um i was not as i I was very very proud to have an african-american president but i didn't hold out a lot of hope because uh, when you get into the when you become the first you have more difficult those coming behind you will have a lot easier Well, I never thought of that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Like you said, we shall see. We shall see. And you know what? As you all know, I could talk forever about this. No, you. But you seem to be wise. Between, between you and Wheeler, I mean, I can't get a word in on this podcast here. I mean, geez. I am so sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, thank you. Thank you for your time, Bernadine. We always appreciate it. Thank you. So very uh, instructive advice there from Bernadine. That's why I wanted to have her on here too. I, you know, I, I called her to ask her some guidance. Hey, we know what should I really focus on? And she burned it up. It's like having a podcast with you, man. I couldn't get a word in. I couldn't I ask know. questions it's, or anything. It's just the whole way through. It's like the, the days when I used to talk to my grandmother on the phone. It was a one-way conversation. But everything she says, you sit right. back and go, wow, that's perspective. Okay, that's that's perspective I hadn't thought of there. Uh, so it's really great to have that. And you know that Bernadine Steptoe is about to lay down truth when you hear her say, you know what? When she starts with, you know what? <laughs> It's always coming. And keep and keep in mind, too. Keep in mind. That, that's the other one. So with, with all keep that in mind, in mind let, let's, uh, let's go to our guest today. It, it's Tracy Scott. She is um, the uh, director, executive director uh, of the Black Women's PAC in Texas, Political Action Committee in Texas. And we've had her on our podcast before um, about a year ago. It's been a long time. When we uh, first started this podcast. Yeah, but she, she is someone we, we go to routinely to, to ask about issues. And she sent us an email that they caught our attention. That's why we wanted to have her on. Tracy, it's good to see you again. We um, Last time we met, Tracy, we were, yes. it's been a year. And we were out on Sundance Square in Fort Worth talking to you about what at the time we thought was brand new, Black Women's Pack. Yeah, it was. And yeah, we were outside. It was really nice. But um, ah, the yeah. good old days. How, how much things have changed in a year. But hey, l- let me uh, let me ask about this, because I read all the emails and the newsletters you send over. Um, and I was struck by the one you sent the other day because it, it said, let me just read this for our listeners. There are a few few lines in here. We deliver repeatedly. While I am proud to tears, I am also unmoved. And then you go on down to say, um, 
you're talking about the, the black agenda. There's no shortage of black agendas produced by black Americans publicly available. And then you say, we are short on implementation, progress, and recovery. We expect to see results from this administration. Joe, Joe Biden, the vice pre- uh, the president-elect, has stated he'll deliver and Kamala co-sign the vice president-elect Kamala Harris. So you're unmoved about all this. Why? So I think there's a quote in there also that there's a symbolism, you know, it's symbolism. So it's economics without, you know, power is just symbolism. And I am not taking away from, oh my gosh, this is such a beautiful moment. I swear this is everything that it is said. It has been, um, you know, just it's moving, yes. The White House, the top of the ticket, you know, a black woman elected. It's unprecedented. All of that. We've had a black president. We've had Clinton. We've had, you know, Joe before, uh, you know. So um, to continue to have the same conversation and to continue to give it your all and get all excited about the election and go out in droves and vote and, you know, all this momentum and then to get, you know, we still have the same housing disparities. Um, You know, wage gap is still great. Um, You know, my daughter is concerned. She's graduating from college. She has student loan debt. And she goes, you know, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to get a job. And, you know, how am I supposed to move forward when I am number one, I have debt. Number two, can I get a job? And then will I, you know, get paid enough to pay the debt? So we're still looking at the same things that apply across the board. They just hit the black community hard over and over and timelessly. So we just keep having the same conversation and, you know, this go around. Can we, you know, move the needle forward? Actually, not the needle forward. Can we just skip, jump, leap forward? Yeah. So, Tracy, I was reading a write-up in Time magazine uh, about this as well, and it's sort of in that same vein there. And it says, during Barack Obama's presidency, we spent far too much time being enamored with the symbolism of his victory and far too little time demanding that he serve his people of color constituents. Uh, and, and it goes on to say, you know, you know, we must fiercely, you know, defend uh, Kamala Harris in the face of the you know, sexist and racist attacks uh, that you know, could possibly come. But we must also be willing to remind her that she works for us. How do you get past this? You know, the, you know, there's the historic nature of, you know, Barack Obama's presidency and of Kamala Harris's uh, vice presidency. How do you get past that and then, uh, you know, hold leaders accountable and say, here's what, you know, you promised you would do and, and you've got to deliver? We have it. to stay engaged. I mean, we have to continuously talk about it. We've got to write op eds. Black media has to keep it, keep it on the pulse in the front forefront. And when, you know, legislations, the conversation starts, I mean, we have to immediately ask, how does that, how does that impact the black community? Where in that does it specifically target what's going on in the black community? And that is, um, I just, I I can't be, um, I I don't know, more determined to continually ask that question and continually hold elected officials accountable, especially at the top. Uh, We've waited you know, you know, you've got all of this that goes on and you think, oh, we're past it. And, oh, we've moved on. And, you know, but I can give you instances in my experience that it's not happening in the workplace. 
that it's not happening when I go walk from door to door, you know, poll gre uh, greeting, you know, canvassing and greeting voters. It's just they, the, it's not resonating. So there has to be something like the Voting Rights, mm. rights Act. There has to be something like the Civil Rights Act. There has to be something like affirmative action. You have to have some kind of legislation that um, clears the path for equality and um, equity for the black community. And everyone benefits. I just don't know why it's a problem when you say it's for the black community, because the legislation that would happen would benefit all kinds. So that's an important point there for for, you know, people of different races, for for white listeners. Uh, you know, when we say that they're you know, that, that black women in particular are saying that, hey, this time we need the change that has been promised. That doesn't mean that it's at the expense of white people or Hispanic people. Uh, so many of these things benefit all, like you say, and, and it's just a matter of, of making Correct. them priorities. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, so um, I was looking at the numbers and here in DFW, um, white home ownership is 60 something percent. Black home ownership is 40 something percent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you mm -hmm. go to Cleveland, Ohio, it's like 7530. And when you're black, you're you're two times or more yes. as likely to be denied yes. for that mortgage when you go to apply for that home loan. That just came out in the most recent uh, report from uh, NAREB. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And again, if all of those black people who are being denied mortgages are, you know, many of them starting to get mortgages. That doesn't hurt anybody else who's applying no. for mortgages. Either, and for you example. value homes in the black, the homes in the black community are valued less. And it's the same house in the next zip code over, but you're valuing it less. So that immediately hits generational wealth. So now, you know, you're looking at point. how you, can you can you take that can you take a mortgage out can you take a loan out on that house what are you going to get for it you know mm -hmm. if your mom or your grandmother leaves you that house what is that you know what does it what's the value of it it's definitely less than what would happen in other communities tracy you don't sound very hopeful <laughs> looking you you don't sound very hopeful looking towards the future i'm always hopeful however um just more determined i think my foot taps a mm -hmm. little faster um, and I really, um, I just, I, I'm very concerned about what happens next. That I am concerned about. No, well, go ahead. I, I want you to continue that thought. You're concerned about yeah, what happens I'm next. I'm concerned go about ahead. what happens next. I mean, how often can you ask a community to stand up for you? And then once you get in office, it doesn't pertain to you. You know, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't change your life. And and that's what exactly that that was almost my next statement here or, or question. I mean, if we look at, at Joe Biden's, um, you know, candidacy, Congressman James Clyburn from South Carolina, he he brought he yeah. brought Biden back. I, I was in the ballroom in in Des Moines, Iowa, wow. when Joe Biden finished fifth place, and we all said this guy's done. Nobody was in there. It was the most dead party I've ever been to in my life. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden was walking. Mm -hmm. Jill Biden was walking around by herself. Nobody was interested in them. So, you know, fast forward to Super Tuesday and uh, Congressman James Clyburn, if you don't know him, he is a, a, a veteran member of Congress. He's a black man from South Carolina. And he brought Biden's candidacy back. Then you look at what Biden said the other day. You've uh, talking to the black community. You've always had my back. Now I'll have yours. Are those words hollow? We'll see. I'm going to say they almost have been previously. Um, 
You know, I, I just I, 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 we're hopeful people. The black communities are hopeful. You know, how else could you be the black backbone of the Democratic Party for, you know, since the 70s? And you're not hopeful, but you still don't have anything that is said. Oh, we're going to write this wrong. We're going to change redlining. We're going to, you know, we've gone from deed restrictions to redlining to, you know, not being able to get the loan to the, you know, recession in 2008, which something like 770,000 black people lost their houses. I mean, when do you say, oh, this is affecting this community more than any other? You know, when you're looking at, you know, men who are incarcerated, black men who are incarcerated, that's half of our household. So again, that crime bill in 94 took half of our household and crack was related to poverty. And, you know, when you look at zip code 76104 in Tarrant County and the life expectancy of a black man is 55 years old and a whole zip code, Mm -hmm. how can that possibly be the rate for a zip code that a black man doesn't live past 55 years old? And that's not something that you would not, you know, go into that community, figure that out. And how do you help them live longer? What does that look like? Wow. And yet there's still a, a, a lot of hope out there because, you know, Tracy, you know, we look over the numbers here and nationwide, and this is just looking at some exit polling from the Washington Post, nationwide, black women in particular, uh, they gave uh, Joe Biden 90% of their vote uh, in this election. In Georgia, a key state, obviously, uh, black women gave 92% of their vote to Joe Biden. Pennsylvania, 94%. Michigan, 93%. These critical states for his election. Um how do you how do you translate that now? How do you get you know people together? How do you get the community together to go? Hey, okay, so you you know you were in this election, you were in the fight, you went, you cast your ballots. Don't go home. Uh, here's how we're going to stay on this to make sure now that we are remembered for putting this ticket over the we top. We're having that conversation now. I've been on three or four calls now. Yes. Just yesterday, the day before, you know, how are we going to stay engaged? What are, you know, what are our points? Um, What does voter education look like? You know, how do we now address redistricting? You know, that's a moment in time where we can actually talk about, you know, staying engaged and what the value is of looking at, you know, how the lines are drawn and making elected officials accountable for being fair. And if not speaking out about it, um, you know, it's just gone on too long that when something goes wrong, we're not there to say, hey, you did this. And this is what we don't like. And this is what doesn't work. And I mean, it's just coming to a point where it's going to I mean, this is going to boil up. I mean, it just has to. There's protests in the streets. You know, the Black Lives Matter got derailed with defund the police, which was a good effort, but phrased wrong. But I think the phrasing was never corrected. And I think that should have been done before the election or during the election because we got wiped out on defund the police, which is actually not intended to be a bad thing. So we have to start speaking up and um, yeah, I'm gonna just say it out loud. The party has got to start speaking out for black people. We should have been protected on that. I'm just saying. Do, do you see a time when when the Democrats who clearly take your support for granted, I think, uh, when, when blacks don't vote for Democrats, when blacks just stay home, like kind of in 2016, what we saw in North Carolina and, and other uh, swing well, states? Well, there's the option of changing parties. There's the option of staying at home. There's the option of skipping that, you know, doing the non-vote, you know, the undervote. 
and just skipping the presidential election at all, you know, totally. Well, what are the, uh, give our listeners, Tracy, an idea, what are the top three things that you would like to see in the Biden-Harris administration? And and what real, realistically can, can they do without Congress to address some of these things? Because there might be a, a you know, split Congress. Don't make me more depressed, okay? That's, you set that up for just a very sad <laughs> top three things that might not happen. Is that what you just said? <laughs> well, yeah, but are, are, is, are there some things that the president-elect can do with executive um, action or that he could do with, I'm not with familiar uh, enough. you know, I'm not familiar services? enough on executive actions. I can I wouldn't wouldn't go out to speak for that. But there's got to be an economic pathway. I mean, there just has to be a focus on how do you rectify the um, economics of the black community? How do you rectify the money? I mean, with money, we can buy health care. We don't need to you know, expand Medicaid or we don't need Medicaid. Well, I'm not going to say that out loud because people want that and I'm not against it. But however, with money, you can buy health care. You can pay, you know, for the deductible. You can pay the, you know, uh, uh, what is it? The cost per visit, the premiums, premiums. and co-pays, uh, co-pays, all of that. You can, stuff, yeah. I mean, if you have money, you can afford it. It's the fact that we can't afford everything. And no one actually makes a point of saying, well, hmm, only 20% of them or whatever the number is can afford, but the majority can't. And it just keeps going on and on over and over. You go to school, you get a degree because you said you had to have one and now you got one and you still make less than white men and white women. You get passed over for the promotion. I mean, it's just, it's the same story. We just keep having the same conversation. Whatever they can do, do it. It'll help. Tracy, I wonder about this. You know, the Democratic Party obviously knows that uh, the black vote has been tremendous uh, for them over the years. And I wonder how much they feel like that is in competition now, uh, just because President Trump really made a play, especially toward the end there for black voters touting over and over again, the black unemployment rate is at a historic low. If you look at the, the Fed data on that, that is true. Uh, you, if you look at the Fed data on black home ownership, it has gone up significantly over where it has been for the past decade or so. Do you encounter people in the black community who say, hmm, maybe it is time for a change. Maybe this maybe this man was telling me something that's worth believing. I'm going to ask you to just define go, gone up. You know, you can say up. That's and true. Up is, that's you know, five percent. That's that's true. And it is down from, uh, you know, you know, we talk about home ownership, for example, black home ownership. It hit a high in, in around 2004 ish and then went on this steady decline downward all the way until probably 2019 into 2020. So you're right. It is uh, all relative because you see this long period of decline before there is a climb again. And it's not even a climb back to where it was. So the yeah, and the things small business ownership i mean make the money accessible i mean if we can get a loan if we can you know increase the pay if you make you know grocery stores more available in our neighborhood and i know that's a local issue but it's really not because when you increase value of the neighborhood then grocers want to come to that area Um, So it all relates to money. It all relates to opening up a pathway for the black community to be able to increase wealth. And Tracy, it sounds a lot like this isn't just limited to what, hey, you know, uh, Joe Biden, hey, Kamala Harris, you know, what can you do to make things better? This sounds like it is, hey, business community, hey, corporate America, 
What are you going to do to oh, yeah. join this administration to make 100%. things better? I mean, it goes up and down the ballot. I mean, we you can look at the Texas legislature. I mean, it just it's everywhere and there needs to be a focus. Um, the expectation is there. And I'm just saying it's getting more and more, you know, noticeable. It's getting more intense. And, um, you know, civic engagement is going to become a very big issue for the black community. We are going to work really hard, just as hard as we did for Get Out the Vote in educating voters as to who is elected and how that affects your life immediately. How long do you give the Democrats to get this thing fixed? Because like you said, we we saw President Clinton eight years with him, eight years with President Obama. Now you have uh, President-elect Biden. How much longer are you going to give them? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't say that because, you know, again, we're hopeful. We're loyal, obviously. But um, I just know that the young younger generation is not um, going along with the get along. You know, just because you said vote Democrat doesn't work for them. You know, they need to hear why and who and who are you. And that is going to become a big issue. Because if you don't have the answers to those questions, and it doesn't sound like it's a pathway to victory for them, I don't know that you'll have them engaged in this process or in this party or, you know, I don't know what that looks like. Tracy, have you seen some progress, though, in, in these past years? Have you seen, I mean, let's talk about, you know, for instance, corporate America. Have you started to see some progress uh, with the way things are being done? Have you seen some movement from your perspective? I have seen some movement. Um, you know, there's a conversation that goes around that, you know, diversity and inclusion is, you know, those are the buzzwords and all of that is working. But you're looking for diversity and inclusion in a system that wasn't designed for diversity and inclusion. So now you have to, you know, now there's that conversation that starts circling where it was really great to see diversity and inclusion being included and considered. And, you know, and now you go, okay, well, wait, is the system designed for that? And how do you change the mind of people, you know, of your coworkers and of, you know, in corporations? So the Fortune 500, only out of the Fortune 500 companies, there's only 18 black CEOs. 500, there's only 18. So 500, there's only 18. So you're telling me that nobody has been groomed or is prepared or has been set up to run any of these companies. You know, and that loops back to what Jason was saying, you know, what can, you know, what are the things that a president could do, maybe even if he has a a divided Congress that isn't working along with him? uh, Perhaps a lot of that is just the bully pulpit, uh, the Uh ability to to put these kinds of issues front and center and and apply some pressure. Pressure works. Pressure works. Anything. Anything works. It sounds like anything. (laughs) It does. And I mean, we're getting to that point. It's just, it's exhausting. It's just, it's exhausting. You know, I I like it. I I enjoy having the conversation. Um, I enjoy trying to push the needle and help as many people understand that it is much larger than just, you know, um, pull your bootstraps up or whatever, you know, it is. Here's an example. So I'm canvassing. I get to this guy, nice guy, great. We have a great, fun conversation. And he says that he's a, he's a Republican. He voted for Obama, but this time he's going to vote for Trump because Biden's going to raise his taxes. I said, okay, he's only going to raise your taxes if you make over $400,000 a year. I said, but, you know, don't you want to do for the community and the people that are working two jobs that only pay minimum wage? You know, what about expanding Medicaid? Well, my wife and I work really hard. We work 80 hours a week for our own business. And, you know, they just got to be smarter in the market. The market? Hmm. And he says, 
When COVID started, I took all the money I had and put it in the market and it paid off well. And now I've taken it all out. They've just got to think smarter and be smarter in the market. So the people who are working two minimum wage jobs are supposed to be smarter in the market? Mm They're, they're playing, playing the market, market right exactly really. so yeah, i mean it's just right. so out of touch when you start talking to people in the yeah. you know in the neighborhoods and you're just like what are you talking about and how come they have to mm-hmm. work two jobs at minimum wage and then you're going to tell me the unemployment rate is up so tracy as, as we move forward here um into you know the inauguration what are you going to be watching for in the first 100 days executive orders like you said what does that look like um what you what the cabinet look like um you know what is the conversation i mean because you've had all this time to plan so we should have no issue with what are we going to do it's when will it get done and we already know the outcome of the election we already know the house you know with the senate might change but you all you know you've been this route before you live this life um this is your life so there should be conversations i'm looking for immediate results um, i am action for sure immediate action mm-hmm. always love talking Thank to you tracy. Me. tracy we can't wait a year okay. before we do this okay, again let's. maybe we check in after that <laughs> oh 100 my. days and see how you know take your temperature i would really appreciate it because I, I i really want to see what happens after the 100 days and i'd love to talk to you guys so yeah thanks tracy we'll thanks We'll talk to you then. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Tracy. Tracy Scott from the Black Women's Pack there. You know, she she brings up some interesting uh, ideas there, Jason, as to what we might see down the road. You know, by the time we check in with her again, you know, several months into a Biden presidency, I'm really curious to see, um, you know, does she feel like needs are being met or is she already, like she said, working those phones, you know, getting those editorials written, uh, you know, putting that pressure to say, hey, you're not doing enough. This is uh, this is underway. We need more. And, and what is she watching for, too? That, that's what I'm, I'm curious to talk, talk to her about, in, you know, after the first 100 days. Is, is it cabinet picks to see who has a seat at the table? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there any, you know executive action the first 100 days that that really uh, um uh, you know excites her motivates her yeah, i'm but really curious to see what happens right out yeah. of the gates with the biden administration if she indeed. didn't sound she didn't sound hopeful at all and you know bernadine mm-hmm. had a little more optimism yeah. about what a biden presidency might bring but you know i think both of them had great points but i love that what you know what tracy said about you know she's uh, she's excited about this but you know she's just been down this road so many times but that this time patience has run out you know she says she's tapping that foot faster right now so it's like come on i you know i'm tired i'm tired of sitting here waiting uh and 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 i think any of us can identify with that when we've been you know sitting and waiting for a long time and man that foot starts tapping and like you're ready to go Uh, i'm just curious to see if he moves fast enough for her and for many others and I figured the three listeners we have are probably tapping their foot thinking this podcast is going on <laughs> too damn long here. So we will let you guys go. Thanks thanks for listening, as always. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Leave us a review. Give us a beer selection. And uh, uh, whatever. go ahead, Jason. You're about to say something. Right? I wasn't going to say anything. People are oh. tapping their foot, man. It's time to go. I'm surprised you have nothing to say. Wrap All it right, up. Guys. Thanks, thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>